0: Today we're going to step out of the study that we've been doing for, for today. Uh, we have a little bit different direction to go this morning, and, um, and we've had a lot of wonderful things already happen today, haven't we? Uh, we've been able to worship the Lord, we've been able to witness the testimony of two young ones as they have publicly identified with Jesus through their baptism, and we've been able to, to participate already in the Lord's Supper The word I have for you today was was one that came to me as a kind of a surprise Uh, over ten years ago. I was driving to a church here in Arkansas, not too far from here actually, and I had a message that I thought I was going to preach that morning at that particular church. About halfway to that church, uh, driving along, and uh, and we've been talking about abiding in Christ. Well, it was one of those moments where. He got my attention, and and I began to realize what he was saying to me as I was driving along was that I had the wrong message. He had another message that he wanted me to share. That didn't happen often in the 10 years that I drove around Arkansas, but boy, when that happened, um, I don't know about you, but that causes me to inhale deeply, uh, to suck wind, because I knew it was from the Lord, I knew I didn't really have a choice if I wanted to be faithful to him, and, uh, but at the same time, I had not a clue where we were going to go with this, and so I pulled the car over, and I got a piece of paper, and on the armrest, as uh, while the engine was running, uh, on the armrest, I wrote down what he put in my mind and my heart. This message grew in tears, reap in joy sow in tears, reap in joy, and the passage of scripture I'm going to be reading is found in 1 Samuel chapter 1, 1 Samuel chapter 1, and I'm going to begin in verse 1, and say pastor can you preach a 12 minute sermon, we'll see won't we, 1 Samuel 1 verses 1 to 6 is where I want to read first. And if you have it, you can follow along in your Bible, or you can look at the screen. Now, there was a certain man of Ramathaim Zophim, of the mountains of Ephraim. And his name was Elkanah, the son of Jeroham, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zoph, an Ephraimite. And you say, Pastor, how do you know how to pronounce those things? I don't have a clue, (laughs) except I like Zoph. Can you imagine two Hebrews meeting each other one day and, and one of them was named Zuff? What's up, Zuff? Or just abbreviate it to Zuff. And he had two wives. This man Elkanah. The name of one was Hannah, and the name of the other was Peninnah. Peninnah, almost like banana. Paninnah had children, but Hannah had no children. This man went up from his city yearly to worship and sacrifice to the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. Also the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, the priests of the Lord, were there. Whenever the time came for Elkanah to make an offering, he would give portions to Peninnah, his wife, and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah he would give a double portion, for he loved Hannah, although the Lord had closed her womb and her rival, also provoked her severely to make her miserable because the Lord had closed her two wives. This is one of the warnings against the practice, I think, um, in the Bible. And if that's not enough, Jesus gave us another warning. No man can serve two masters. <laughs> and so it's an ugly story. and. And this this woman is heartbroken because she's not able to bear children. You need to understand how serious that was in that day and time. Because of what she was experiencing, she was having a soul-crushing experience. She had no children. She was humiliated by her rival in this marriage relationship, Peninnah. She was socially disgraced because she didn't have a son or a daughter that she had given birth to, she felt a pain because of that, and because of the the time, I can't dwell on this, but you need to understand, this was a pain that is almost indescribable. So deep, it was crushing to her human spirit. And she turned to God, because she understood that there are certain hurts and pains that you and I have that no one on earth can remove. No one on earth can give you relief from that kind of soul-crushing pain. And so she turns to God. And in that way, she becomes a model for us of how to respond to soul-crushing experiences. Are you experiencing what Hannah felt? It may not have to do with whether you can have a child or not. But it may very much have to do with something you want to do and can't, or something you have to do and don't want to, something you're experiencing and you would rather not be experiencing it. Are you where Hannah is? How are you processing that? How are you handling that? There are times where you and I experience that kind of hurt and shame, and as we go through it, we pretend like it's not happening. Christians in church are some of the worst ones about that. I'm not trying to shame you at this moment, but, but your heart can be crushed, absolutely devastated and broken, and someone can come up to you on Sunday morning and say, How are you, sister? And you say, I'm doing fine. And you're not fine. Now, we could talk about all the reasons why we do that and why we, present, we don't present our whole face to people. Sometimes it's our part of our fault. Sometimes it's a part of the, the group that we're in. And there's different reasons for it. But the bottom line is you're pretending. Your soul's being crushed and, and you're pretending. You're singing songs about an imaginary life and relationship with God that you don't have and that is not real to you. Sometimes we hide the hurt, we hold the feelings in in such a way that that the slightest dimple, the slightest pressure, the slightest word from somebody can cause you to explode. You just are so raw on the inside and how you're feeling. Sometimes you, you're looking for someone to blame, and you may be blaming God. Um, in your mind, you're not blaming Him. You're going through the motions. You're praying. You're going to church. You're still doing what you're supposed to do, but deep down inside, God is the one who's responsible for what you're experiencing that's what you're thinking and how easily Hannah could have done that twice it says in this passage that God was the one that closed her womb she could have held God responsible very very easily for her hurt so like Hannah you may have a hurt that no one on earth can address but unlike Hannah you're trying to deal with it yourself Hannah's pain took her on an amazing journey into the heart of God. Uh, there's a psalm that I believe particularly speaks to this journey. And uh, it'll be on the screen at the end. But right now, let me just read it to you. Psalm 126, verse 5. It's a promise. Those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. Those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. I have three words I want to give you this morning. Three words. Three words. And you can jot them down to help guide you when you're experiencing this kind of soul-crushing hurt on the inside. Here's the first word, dissatisfaction. Dissatisfaction. Uh, Look at verse 7. We're just going to keep reading here. So it was year by year when she went up to the house of the Lord that she provoked her. That's Peninnah provoking Hannah. Therefore she wept and did not eat. Then Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? And why is your heart grieved? Am I not better to you than ten sons? So Hannah arose after they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh. Now, Eli the priest was sick of soul. I mean, I think I would take a pencil and underline that. This is a woman that made it into the pages of Scripture, and God is speaking to us through this woman. At this moment, she was in bitterness of soul. It's a mental state of just incredible distress, unspeakable pressure and pain on the inside. And in the Old Testament, this word's only used about a half dozen times, and every time, only God can address that hurt. This is not a pain that anybody else can deal with. It's not even a pain you can deal with. It's only something that God can deal with. And the rest of the verse says, and prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish. If you are in this journey and you feel this crushing on the inside, do not expect a quick fix. Do not expect that that just like that, it's going to stop and go away. Don't expect that. Don't expect, in fact, anything on earth to satisfy you. Hannah was dissatisfied with every other possible solution that was available to her. Now, she had other solutions. You know what they are. In that circumstance, what would you have done? You could probably think of all kinds of things you could have done to Peninnah. I mean, I could think of a few. But she, did, she knew that there would be no satisfaction found in defeating her enemy. Uh, she had the higher social status. Most scholars, rabbis believe she was the first wife. She probably had the higher status, and 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 she could have been, she could have destroyed Paninna in a thousand different ways. She could have become part of a clique of other women that just attacked her and, and used gossip and all kinds of things to tear her down and provoke her to misery, but instead, that's what Paninna was doing to her. But she knew there would be no satisfaction in going that way. She knew there was no satisfaction in material things. Her husband gave her a double portion than what he gave to Peninnah, but that wasn't going to satisfy her. It's not. Fair. He didn't look at his wife as a disgrace. He loved her. She was precious to him. And she had a good man. But she knew that what was in her heart was nothing that even her spouse could satisfy One of the mistakes we make, especially if you're a single adult, one of the mistakes we make is we think that there's a human being out there, a relationship. Even if we're married, we sometimes think there's somebody else out there that can make me happy, somebody else that can satisfy me. And, um, and, And I worked for several decades with single adults in almost every church I've ever been in. And, um, and there's this thought sometimes that presses us, particularly on young single adults, that if I can just get married, then I'll be satisfied. Then I'll be happy. If that's true, then married people would be the happiest people on earth. Right? And of course we all are, right? She knew there would be no human relationship, nothing on earth that could satisfy her. And so she steered away from those things She understood what our fathers, our grandfathers, other generations understood when when this kind of thing would come into our life. They had a clarity on this issue that we no longer have. They knew the answer, that when God moves in your life in such a way that he allows an unbearable, unthinkable hurt to come into your life, that the prayer that is born out of that pressure The prayer that grows out of that experience, the prayer that leaves your lips and comes out of your heart from that kind of internal pressure is a prayer that God is going to use to accomplish far more than you ever dreamed. Not only in your life, but in the lives of those around you. It is no accident that you're experiencing what you're experiencing. I can't create the kind of dissatisfaction that it takes to move God to do earth-shaking things. I can't do that. Just work. He begins to create that kind of dissatisfaction in the heart of a man or the heart of a woman or the heart of a group of people. And often that their praying is born out of great hurt, out of great pain, out of great difficulty. The answer to your greatest burden, whatever it is, hear me. Is never just for you alone. God is at work doing something far grander and far greater than you ever dreamed. Hannah wanted a baby boy, but those of you who are with us this summer when we studied judges, do you remember how with every generation it just got worse and worse and worse? The nation didn't seek God. He allowed pressure to come. They would cry out to God. He would send a deliverer. But by the time you get to the end of Judges, they're not even praying anymore. They're just in total chaos. They're a total mess. She wanted a baby boy. God wanted a Samuel. God wanted to raise up a man who's going to turn his generation around. Someone every bit as great as Moses. Someone who would be faithful to him. Someone who would seek him. Someone who would just simply say, yes, God, every time God spoke to him. God was doing far more through Hannah's experience than she ever imagined. So right now, you and I need to understand that God is at work with that hurt. Yes, to draw you closer to him. Yes, to cause you to pray. But you need to know that when it's that kind of a hurt that only God can address, he's often doing far more. Let that dissatisfaction, let it fuel your walk in the direction of God. Don't let it drive you away from him. The first word is dissatisfaction. The second word is persistence. The second word, persistence. In verse 12, it says, and it happened, as she continued praying before the Lord, that Eli watched her mouth. Now Hannah spoke in her heart. Only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli thought she was drunk. So this this journey, not only do you, do you not expect to be satisfied, but this journey from sowing tears to reaping joy, don't expect a, a short trip. There's persistence involved. Verse three says that her whole family, her husband, they came up to, uh, to uh, Shiloh every year. And that Peninnah had sons and daughters. If it's sons, that's at least two boys. If it's daughters, that's at least two girls. This had been going on for years. She had come to Shiloh. She had sought the Lord. She had gone to where God was. She went to the tabernacle, and she kept going back again and again and again and again. She was persistent. We don't have the, the time to develop this fully in Scripture, but we are taught this in the New Testament. Jesus teaches us this. He says it in Matthew 7, he says, King, and you will receive. Seek and keep on seeking, and you will find. Knock and keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. And then he says this, for everyone who asks receives. The first time i read that and i understood what jesus was saying i was stunned for everyone who asks receives what a promise but he says at the end of asking and seeking and knocking and being persistent now if i had the time to develop it i would I would, I would point out to you those, those teachings of Jesus where he said, you know, this being persistent, it's like a man who's in bed at night and he's, he's all locked up and, and, and a neighbor comes and he's had midnight guests and he needs food and he's knocking at the door and he won't get up. He says, go away. I'm in bed with all my family. If I get up, everybody's got to roll over at once and I got to go to the door. Go away. And his friend keeps on knocking, keeps on knocking and finally... He gets up and he says, not because they're friends, but because of his persistence, he gets up and answers the door. You say, well, is God like that? Is is he just, you know, so reluctant to answer my prayer? No, because in the very next verse, he says, look, in Luke 11, he says, God is like a father who knows how to give good gifts to his children. He's not like the guy who has to be begged. He's more like the guy who's a father, who when his kids want something, yes, son, yes, daughter, I want to give it to you. But at the same time, he's teaching us about persistence. Later on in Luke 18, when he talks about persistence, he talks about an unjust judge and a lady that just wears him out until the judge grants her request, gives her justice. And what's interesting about that is Jesus prefaces it, he's saying, so Jesus taught that men ought always to pray and not lose heart. And so there's something about being persistent that goes along with not losing heart. And then he goes on and says, after the end of the telling that story, he says, Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Will there be people who who believe that God really is there, that God really hears when we cry out to him, that when I keep asking and I keep seeking and I keep knocking, that my faith grows to a place that he is as real as the next breath I'm going to take? Will the Son of Man find people who believe in him like that? He will if he finds people who have been persisting in prayer. And Hannah persisted. And one of the remarkable things that takes place with persistence is that persistence has a way of changing us. Not only does our faith grow, but it changes us. And we see this in the third word. And the third word is hunger. Hunger. Don't expect to be satisfied. Don't expect a a short trip. And you're going to have to be hungry because you can't expect that the answer is going to be the one that you thought you were supposed to get. Look at verse 11. Then she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, If you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a male child, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall come upon his head. Many times we think that what I need to be satisfied is my answer to prayer. The thing that I've been praying about. That's what's going to make me satisfied. But the longer that I pray about something... The thing that I discover is that what I begin to want and what I really long for is more than just the answer. I need the one who's doing the answering. And one of the transformations that takes place in this journey when you have crushing, a crushing weight in your soul is that you discover I want more than relief. I want the one who gives it that's what's happening to this lady she's hungering for god himself now it's taken years but she's hungering for god himself it's not just about the baby how do i know that on verse 11 look at how she starts off the prayer if you will if you you will indeed look god i need you to see me will you look on my affliction look at me and remember me i don't want to be forgotten by you lord I want to be close. I want to be near you. I want you to see me. I want you to know me, remember me, and not forget your maidservant. But we'll give your maidservant a male child. Here's, Here's the essence of her vow. I rewarded it a little bit. God, if I can have you in my life, I refuse to let anything else in my life come between you and me. If I can just have you. I will take the greatest answer to the deepest pain and longing in my life, and I will give it back to you. Do you think she knew about the story of Abraham and Isaac? Do you all remember that story? Abraham waited till there was no hope left for his son. And God gave him Isaac. And when Isaac was old enough, one day God said to Abraham, I want to take your son, your only son, Your son Isaac says it three times in the text in Genesis. I want you to take your son, and he's drawing a line under it. I want you to take your son. I want you to sacrifice him to me. And you remember that story? He takes the boy. He's got the wood piled on the donkey. They're they're going up the hill, and the son says, where's the sacrifice going to come from? Abraham says, don't worry about it. God will provide a sacrifice. They get up there. I don't know what went through Isaac's mind when his daddy Bound, his, bound him up. Put him up on the altar. Those, those sticks got ready to set him on fire. Raise that knife. What was going through that boy's mind? I don't know. But I do know this. At that moment, God said, no. Now I know. You'll keep nothing from me. You see, one of the reasons our prayers may be hindered is because I want the answer more than the giver. And she had come to a place In the moment that she wanted God more than a son, God gave her a son. That doesn't always happen that way. But it always happens that the person who seeks God finds God. When you seek him with all your heart. It was no longer about a baby. It was about him. And she released the gift to him since that was no longer the most important thing. And her prayer was answered. Are you hurting? Pain will drive you away from Him or it will draw you to Him? If you let it drive you away from Him, hear me, I'm just being prophetic. It is the truth. There is nothing on earth that's going to make that pain better. And you can spend a lifetime trying to fill that void with something other than God. But if you let that pain draw you to Him, those who sow in tears will reap in joy. I'm ready to reap some joy. Aren't you? Let me ask you to bow your head and close your eyes. Well, it wasn't 12 minutes, but it was a record record. Do you know Jesus? We can help you this morning enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ. And just as Hannah's life was transformed by coming to know God in a new way, so your life can be changed. But dear one, you can't come to God and hold things back. You need to come and surrender your life to him. Say, God, I've sinned. I've messed up. I've been running from you. I know that that what I've done has separated me from you, and I need your forgiveness. And, And he offers it freely through the blood of Jesus Christ. When he died for you on the cross, he was dying for your sins. He was removing the barrier between you and the Father. If you're a Christian today, that blood continues to make you clean every time you turn to the Father and you say, God, forgive me. But if you've never trusted Jesus, you're in your sin. And the Bible says you're separated from Him and that's the greatest problem in your life. I don't know what other problem you're dealing with. But the greatest need you have in this moment is for your heart to be made right with God. Because the moment that happens, the door opens. And the Holy Spirit, He will come and live inside you. Your sins will be forgiven, but more significantly, you'll have a new relationship with Jesus Christ. And He will change you from the inside out. The pastors are here at the front. It would be our pleasure, whether you're in the balcony or downstairs, it would be our pleasure to share Scripture with you, to answer your questions, so that you could leave here today a child of God, born again, sins forgiven, with a new life, a new beginning. Christian, you may be hurting today. And for you, what I talked about was not hypothetical. It is your present experience. You are experiencing a soul-crushing burden in your life. And I want to invite you today, you can do it when we stand and sing. You can pray there in the pew. You can come and kneel at the front. I find that helps me when I'm sitting in a service. Just in a physical way to go and unburden my soul. You may want to grab one of these pastors and just say, "I, I can't even begin to talk about it, but will you pray for me? I need my soul to be unburdened. I want to draw near to God. And I realize now he's the only one that can give me relief for what I'm feeling and what I'm experiencing in my life.